wilder, 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 wilder. What's up, Hollister? <laughs> Not much, but... You know, it's funny. You know how, like, I am so fickle. I, you cannot count on me to start out watching a series and feel strongly about it one way and then not change my mind within three episodes. And what okay. we're doing, yeah, what we're doing this week, Loot, this will probably be a short one, everybody, but we started watching Loot. First of all, how many episodes did you get through before we even start? I think there's five out. I think I watched five. Okay, me They're too. They're short. Yeah. Um, well, not that short, actually, but yeah, They're they like are a half hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So after this, you know, this, this is such an interesting thing to talk about. If you ask me, Maya Rudolph plays our protagonist and she is married to a multi, multi, multi billionaire, or that's the way it's sort of presented. But really when I think about it, probably it's not that she was married to him. It's that they built this empire together. She just wasn't the tech person behind the empire. Anyway, they build this multi-billion dollar empire. They, they were also married. <laughs> right, exactly. <clears throat> and then she finds out uh, at her birthday party that he is having an affair. And basically she throws him out in that moment, which good for her because mm -hmm. not everybody does that right away. Anyway, and then they get divorced and she finds herself uh, the third wealthiest woman in the country with $87 billion at her, uh, at her disposal. And she finds out she has a foundation. She doesn't have anything to do. She's really wondering what is gonna happen in her life. So she decides to get active in the foundation and thus ensues this almost half silly, half really interesting poignant and a third, I shouldn't say halves, I should be saying a third, um, feminist kind of approach to the 0.01% of the world uh, in our country, the very, very wealthy and totally unseeing white population. And there we are sitting there with her. And I've decided in the end, I'm gonna just start off with, because you're so good at this part, Maya Rudolph, if it had been anybody else, could it have been anybody else playing this role? No, but also because she's a woman of color and, and it's a big point in the show that she's a woman of color as well. So yeah. it, it's, it is well, she, important to the show. Woman, yeah, woman of color with privilege that hasn't made her feel the color part of her woman of color very strongly so far. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't. I don't know. We don't know the story of the two of them before they were billionaires. So we all we really know is that they built this. It started off. She was putting him through coding school or what, whatever the equivalent of that is. Um, well, I think I think you learn to write code, and since your father sure. is in that industry, one would think you'd have a better handle on how to describe. No, not it. at all. Uh, he doesn't write code. I don't know what he does, but he doesn't write code. Uh, <laughs> but he, M Molly's character, you know, she's the she's the starter wife. She's the the first wife who supported him, got him off the ground, helped him make the right decisions, and and helped him build this empire. She is Bezos's ex, right? 
that's who this is, I imagine, is based on, except well, I, you she's know, a woman of color. Well, Mackenzie was different. I mean, I, you know, again, I've read that in a lot of places, but I'm pretty familiar. Oh, with- I think this is a parody or a satire of that. I don't know that this is this. is. I think this is inspired by the idea of what if there's a woman out there with all this money who is also single for the first time in years and trying to figure out what to do with your life now. Well, you know, certainly, I mean, just to give McKinsey her due, um, when Bezos, when when he quit his job in finance on Wall Street, uh, he got in a car with his wife. Um, he drove and she wrote the business plan all the way out to the West Coast. And they truly built the first three years of Amazon they built together. And um, it, many people say that her brains were as important to this whole endeavor as as his were. Um, so I don't, uh, you know, and, and well, now it's and interesting because I don't know that I don't know that we know enough to say that Molly's isn't. Well, uh, but but also Mackenzie is not clueless by any stretch. In the addition to which, she's already living with uh, one of the teachers from her children's school, actually. And runs her foundation with total control because she was involved in the foundation from the beginning, as was Melinda Gates. So I, I really hesitate to to let us again. Even, I think it's a parody. Yeah. I think it's a satire. I'm just saying I don't think we know enough about the character yet to say what she's capable of and what she's not. She right. is quite quite a lot more inept when it comes to and clueless, right? But I think she is kind of a really great representation of a lot of people that get a divorce later in life who have dedicated their lives to their family and to, and now the kids are gone. And now what do I do with my life? Right. No, but, but the point I want to make, and I want to make it and I want to hold on to it and then we can move on from it. And that is both Mackenzie and Melinda Gates this is not a parody of them. And because people are starting to write that it is, I think it's important to state very clearly that it's not. It could be a parody of a million other women I know, maybe not as wealthy, but it is not the two of them. Melinda Gates um, is the brains behind the foundation and always has been. And in fact, now that um, the foundation split in half, Warren Buffett has removed his money because he doesn't think Bill Gates can do what, what was done before. So in my opinion, I just think it's important to say it's not a parody on the two of them by any stretch because they are not in her situation. Although there are many wealthy women who were trophy wives who now sit there holding a shitload of money. There's no question. Okay. So, but when, so moving on to the whole point of it all, at first I was like, first of all, this is so disrespectful to so many people. And you know, I, and and I kept getting offended, and then after I started to go into it more and more, what were you offended by? I, you know, I wasn't even sure. I just felt disquieted by the way she was referring to, you know, taking care of people, and it was just as if she'd had, you know, oh, I'm going to drive everybody in these limousines to this poor part of town, and it was so bad and so unwoke. <laughs> That I was like, was oh, point. how are people going to respond to this? I think and that then, was the point. <laughs> I know. Well, I, but, but even looking at it as the point, it was so distasteful to me that it was hard to watch it. And the more I watched it, the better I liked it. Because I also think her character 
pulls this, her character is filled with strength. She doesn't give up. She admits her vulnerability. There's one part where she was going to give a, I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil it, but she was going to give an interview and she all of a sudden loses her nerve because of something someone says to her that takes away whatever little confidence she had. And she had done her homework for this interview. And I just thought to myself, I love the way her growth is really showing up in a way that allows us to say, we can change, we can be different, we can have a different life than we started out having. So I, I, I think it's a great show. What about you? Um, I like it. I, I'm enjoying it. I love Maya Rudolph. So I'm, I'm very yeah, happy what to about, watch her. You know, this, is this her first, you know, she's carrying this. She's the anchor in this show. Is this the first time she's had that opportunity? I don't even know. Um, I mean, yes and no. I will say like, she was a big part of, um, oh, what was the show? It was a while ago. It was with, um, and it was only one season. But it was with um, Will Arnett and um, oh, what's her Christina? Was it, was it Big, Big Mouth? No, no, that's an animated show. Okay, um, hang on. Human Resources. No, again, animated. Um, she does. She does a lot of voice voice work. Um, this was this was a long time ago. She's on Portlandia. I mean, obviously, we know her from SNL. Um, but well, the she... other the other big thing we know her from, which was you know was huge, was Bridesmaids. Oh yeah, I mean movies, sure. Um, you've seen her. You've seen her everywhere. That's not that's not a question. But yeah, at the at the center of it, I think you're right that she's she's carrying it, um, which is really nice. Hang on, I'm gonna since we're just podcasting, I'm gonna find this show. Oh, it's called Up All Night. That's what it is. It's Up All Night, and Christina Applegate is the producer of Maya Rudolph's talk show. Okay. Um, and it only lasted one season, and it only lasted one season because they wanted to change the format, and all of the actors refused. They wanted to go from single cam to multicam. Really? And all of the actors were like, no, it's going to ruin the show. Um, and so they all walked away. But the first season of it's fantastic. And she plays this kind of outlandish out of touch kind of character. So I've wow. seen it before, but she doesn't have as much, she doesn't have as much heart as she does in this. And I think that's what's, that's what carries this is that she, she's receptive to the feedback. And it, the show starts out, obviously, you know, we get the, the story with, with her and her husband who, uh, by the way, he's, he's everywhere now, but, um, yeah, he sure Adam is. Yeah, exactly. Is so great. Um, I, and like seeing him play a villain is just, it's very fun for me because I, I fell in love with him on parks and rec, um, as I'm sure did a lot of people, but he's fantastic. And Michaela Rodriguez, who a lot of people will know from Pose, plays the head of her foundation that she doesn't know exists. And she gets essentially called into the principal's office because she's been running around the world partying for God knows how many months since her divorce. And what a to... fine principal. Great casting. Yes. Great casting. But you're she's talking... Fantastic. Wait, I don't want to leave John Novak yet. You're talking about he plays Adam Scott, which is her ex. But get this. He's only in two episodes. So far, yeah. No, um, for the first six, he's only in two. 
Yeah, so far. He's yeah. he's only in two episodes, yeah. but he's, I mean, he's got, we talked about Severance. That's his show on Apple. So yeah, exactly. he's busy too. Okay. All right. The other person I want to bring out is Arthur, Nat Faxon, who plays an accountant and, you know, possible love interest. And um, I love him. He's fantastic. He is. He's adorable. His teeth yeah. steal the show. Uh, <laughs> really? Even, even the even the art he chose, like, really move. I mean, there's so many little details that are, it reminded me of the goldfinch. You know, it's like, mm. um, you know, there's just, I just think that they've really thought through the layers that you needed to bring together to make it work. Because it could have been oh my God, what have you done? It could have been really, it's too silly for words. I mean, there's so many ways this could have gone off the tracks. And just when I think it might, it doesn't. And I, and by the way, it's not a binge thing. You'd be bored in, in the third episode. I couldn't, I, you didn't watch six in a row, right? Or five in no, a row. No, I think we did like three or three and three yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. So it's not a binge kind of thing, but it's a once a week kind of thing for sure. Yeah. And I mean, Alan Yang is behind this. He did Parks and Rec um, that, you know, it's a lot of people that you've you've known before who've done feel good shows for you before. And this is kind of the next step. My what I like about what they do is that she's she's really the only point oh one percenter in this. Um, and, and the rest of the characters are from the real world. And it's a good balance because otherwise it's just rich people's problems. And we've talked about this. I don't care. (laughs) Um, But Michaela Rodriguez really grounds it. Uh, She's, she's, you know, the taskmaster. Everybody gets, you get five minutes to talk about your weekend and she sets a timer. Um, And I, I, uh, I've had bosses like that. I appreciate bosses like that. But also she can change. The other thing is she can change. And I love when a character is a certain way and really steeped in the way that they are and they can change and she's one of them, but get this. So can we just talk about Molly's house for a minute? Sure. Okay. So it's the mega mansion called, you know, the one in Bel Air, you know, that house, right? Sure. (laughs) You don't. Okay. Well, all right. It's the largest and most expensive estate in the United States with 105,000 square feet. 21 bedrooms, 50 car garage, and anything else you can imagine. And okay. as you're, at, you know, and they come in on a drone view of that house quite often as, as they're honing into it. It's the perfectly chosen house. First of all, um, house has been on the market forever. And I think now they're renting it out to sets like this. I don't know what's going on. But uh, it, so it shows you can't get a bigger house in America. You can't get a more decadent house in America. And one of the things they're trying to show is there is nothing off the table in terms yeah. of what her wealth and how she was willing to spend it. And so um, it's totally, and I, you know, I, um, I, I, I hang with some billionaires and they don't live quite like that. So, and just as everything else is exaggerated, so is this, you know, so. Well, I mean, um, there's, there's being a billionaire and then there's $87 billion, right? And she's, I, I will say, well, by the growth, way, one of my billionaires is in that market and he doesn't live like that. So, well, yeah, she's I'm just quite saying. accustomed to a certain lifestyle. There's, there's yeah. a great moment where, um, Sophia, Michaela Rodriguez character comes over and I was just going to tell, I was, yes, go, go, go. She's like, if I, if I, if I just say beignets, will they just appear? 
Like, no, and then like and then magic. and then one of the men's. It's a great ending, and we're not going to give anything away. When Molly says to her, um, "Go ahead, you know you want to," and she and she goes um, low main with you know she picks some ridiculous thing to eat. She goes, "Yep." And there it goes. So it'll be here in seven minutes. Yeah, it's so fun. It's fun. You know, you can laugh at it and you can laugh well, at you're it. You're supposed at, to laugh at it. Yeah. And you and are. That's, I think the point is, you know, <laughs> we're, we're learning. Michaela, sorry, my, Maya and and Michaela are are perfect foils for each other. Right. Michaela comes from nothing. Right. And she knew at eight years old that this was the job she wanted to do because she'd been in that situation and she doesn't want anybody else to ever have to be in that situation. Yep. And Maya is wandering the earth with all the resources in the world, wondering what the hell to do. What the hell you know? is yeah, my life about? Yeah. yeah. Now, but here's the thing. Two things. I can't see this. I think it should end at the end of the first season. I don't see it going anywhere. I think it's I funny. Know. I think it's fun. I think the jokes are going to not, they're not going to. You I cannot... think they have to find a purpose. Exactly. And right now they haven't yet found the purpose. We're still meeting the characters. We're still figuring out, you know, what this foundation is really for. The The foundation really focuses on Southern Californian unhoused people. Um, and I think that's obviously a great cause. She has the resources to do really whatever she wants. And she kind of comes in the door and is like, let's cure climate change. Um, and Michaela's like, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, it's funny that you say that because at that kind of money, at the $87 billion level, you've got Gates who's changing Africa. You know, he's brought water to Africa. He's bringing roads to Africa. He's taking away disease in Africa. In other words, you know, I mean, at I, I think that's one thing that they maybe didn't understand so much. And that is the kinds of things they're putting money into. If you have a, a, a foundation of $87 billion, it's a drop in the bucket. It's not even the interest on a day. And so... Therefore, I, that's the only part to me that doesn't feel real. You know, I mean, look at Soros's Open Fund Society. You know, the the billionaires you're talking about at that level, it's just not the same. But, but well, I, a, I don't know that Michaela's had those resources, right? I think they have a a budget, and I don't, you know, I I, I yeah, I think the way they hasn't been involved, right? So like, she's not putting all of her money behind this thing yet, and well, she didn't I even know that said, it existed. I'm pretty sure it said the foundation has that amount of money. No, she oh. has that money. Okay. All right, um, well. And so like, I think we're getting to the point where she's, she's finding purpose in this and we'll see her put her considerable resources. Yeah, it'll be interesting it. to see where they take it, but I don't see this going further than one season. And I think you could succeed in one season. You could make I, a point. Knowing you, who's yeah. behind it, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be a multi-season show. I, well, I'm there's also money involved, so I would agree with you. Well, it's it's less about the the money and more about the people who are behind this. It's you know these are people who have done South Park and Parks and Rec and shows that have gone on and done many 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 seasons. Yeah, um, I under, I understand that. I just don't think that this should necessarily take that trajectory. I'm, I'm sure it probably will. I'm just, I just, I I'm don't think we're far now. enough into the show to, to see. We're what halfway these... through the first season. I should be able to see a bigger picture if there is one by now. Sure. But I, I don't think we've got enough information to know yet whether well, we'll or not see. this has yeah. legs. I look, I, again, I think they'll go to a second season. I'm just, I'm beginning to wonder 
in many cases why we need a second season of a lot of these kinds of shows. But anyway, I find it entertaining. I find it engaging. And I think people will enjoy sort of being able to laugh at a time when it's really hard to do that, you know, really hard. Yeah, I agree. I think Apple is doing a really good job of that. Is that what it, you know, I thought the same thing. Somehow when I go into my, I usually watch shows on my television. I mean, on my phone now rather than my television. And, and, and I started, and I always start out in it. If I'm browsing for stuff, I, I noticed that instead of going into Prime or Netflix, I've been going into Apple, and I think that's why. I think I feel better in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know. I think about, that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. Anyway, we've got a couple things. First of all, please follow us on our social media, especially on Instagram, at Screen Thoughts. And um, we are going to be doing, you know, the big thing happens on Friday, the launch of um, Crawdads. So, and we are setting up, we don't have our time quite right yet because we're trying to fit it into uh, Wilder's you know, amazingly difficult schedule. Sorry, yeah, don't here. worry about it. No, we want you there. So we're going to be doing a Instagram live where we talk about Crawdads. We go into some history, tell some anecdotes, and everybody can talk about it because they're really thinking this is going to be a huge week for that film on Friday. I'm hoping it's going to be right up there with the top of the bang in terms of what uh, opening days have been or opening weekends have been over the last couple months. So um, that happens this weekend. So we hope everybody will, again, follow us on social media. And we thank you for um, we thank you for support, which is growing, growing, growing. So anything else from you, Walder? Oh, wait, I have one question I wanted to ask you. Okay. Okay. So did you read the article about, um, and we don't usually go into politics and this isn't political. Elizabeth Banks uh, put out a tweet where she accused uh, Spielberg, who has done 40 movies, of never doing one with a female lead. Well, that's not true. He did well, the post. But he did, well, he did two. And the color purple. Well, no, the, the post, they think the lead, they called, and I, they don't, even he doesn't call the lead a female lead in the post. The, the bigger one was um, was uh, who plays the editor. Tom um, Hanks? Yeah. yeah. I mean... Well, that's sure. that's what he says, and that's what the movie says. But he did have two that were, first of all, um, um, the color purple is, yeah. is what you can really look at. Anyway, she was wrong. So out of 40, it's two that have women leads. And she was accusing him of, of that being a problem. And then I thought about it, and I thought... That would be like saying Reese Witherspoon has done no movies with a male lead. I don't think that's the same thing at all. <laughs> okay, well, I would, you know, do you agree with her that he should be doing more films from a female perspective? Uh, no, because I don't think he knows how to do it. Exactly. I think he's doing what he knows. So I think really what but I, what the, I don't think she's wrong i don't think she's wrong in calling him out because it's true he doesn't do movies from a female perspective no and but how I, about the, it is problematic the answer to me should be more women should be doing films yeah i get what she's saying though it, it, spielberg has a massive megaphone right and not just as a director right he can he i will say he, producing wise he has produced a lot more movies that are female perspective uh-huh um, which I think is important to recognize, but he also, he's got the soapbox. And so I get it. Um, and I don't disagree with Elizabeth Banks, but I also, I don't know that they'd be good movies. You know, Color Purple got boxed out of everything because people were really upset that he did that because 
why is a straight white man telling this story? Interesting. And yeah, I, I get that too. <laughs> so as a producer, what movies are you talking about that he's done with female leads? I don't he's see girl anything on here. the train. Um, anything DreamWorks is his. So, well, it doesn't mean he touched it really. DreamWorks. It's a big, um, but it's, it's his studio, right? The, those are well, his. It's not just his sorry. studio. Yeah. It, 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 it is now Amblin Amblin partners is, is what it is now. Um, and that's his, I will say, you know, she's not the lead, but there's, there's quite a lot more, uh, conversation around the female characters in West side story. It's not, not the lead, but you know, Anita's the one who always wins the Oscar. Um, well, it's funny when you read, when you go into IMDb, which I'm in now and read the, uh, films that he's producer on there none of them are women really and certainly west side story is not west side story is not her story it's um story. i mean he produced on the basis of sex which is the story of ruth bader ginsburg so yeah i mean it's it's not a lot he hasn't done a ton that are female based but he's done the ones i think that matter to him yeah well i don't know that it's his responsibility either i'm just saying i'm not sure I'm not sure that the goal shouldn't be to have more women producers and more women directors. Well, and he does than... have a lot of women who work at his studios. Yeah, like exactly. he has women who run his studios for the most part. Yeah. So exactly. I will say it's not, and you know, Kat, Kathy Kennedy was a big producer of his for a long time. Like he's, he works with a lot of women. He empowers a lot of women. I don't think he's the one to give us female driven stories though. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I'm not sure that's his responsibility. He, of course, is silent during the whole thing, as is his nature, you know, so. Yeah, I way. think he speaks with his movies. And I think I think if you've watched his films, you know, I, I thought The Post was an interesting choice for him. But looking around at the world that we're living in, you know, I think he he chooses which movies he's going to do based on what he wants to talk about. And if you look at like, I was like, why are we doing, why are we redoing West Side Story, right? And he wants to talk about race relations in this country. You know, why are we, do, why is he doing the post? And he wants to talk about, he wants to talk about the press and the freedom of the press in this country, right? And I think that's how he puts his, his. Well, I might add, out. while he can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But I, I do think that that's, that's a big part of who he is as a filmmaker. And I actually really respect that in him. Anyway, I'm all in. I just wanted to point that out and ask your opinion. Um, and then I I vote for loot, you guys. If you're interested in a little lightweight something once a week or two, give it a shot. Awesome. It's on Apple. Um, and I think they drop on Fridays. So there enjoy. you go. Talk to you later. Bye.